0: Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Can you tell somebody next to you I pity the fool? We are starting a brand new series today. For the entire month of July, we are going to be sitting in, walking through, leaning into the book of Proverbs because we do not want to be people who are fools, but rather we want to be people who are filled with wisdom, people who have discernment and understanding. And so we are going to be walking through the book of Proverbs. If you didn't jump in already, yesterday we started a devotional that you can do in your Bible app. All together, we're all going through the next 31 days reading a proverb every single day so that we can really soak in this thing, in this place of wisdom. So I think, yeah, there we go. If you don't have it already, you can scan that QR code. It'll take you right to it. You can go through it on your own or it'll give you the option if you want to get a couple friends together or send it to your whole family. Parents, if you have teens, what an incredible thing to walk through this book of wisdom together because every Sunday this month we are going to be talking about wisdom and we're going to be talking about the book of Proverbs. And if you didn't jump in yesterday... Yesterday's was really just like an intro. It was just a couple of verses and a little intro video to get you into it. Today, we actually read Proverbs 1, so you're not really that far behind. It'll be easy for you to catch up. I would love for us as a church family to walk through wisdom. It's really kind of a selfish series because sometimes we find ourselves in conversations where I think if you just had wisdom ahead of time, we wouldn't have even had to get here. So my goal for the month is to infuse our church with wisdom and free up our team and our life group leaders from some conversations that potentially would have never had to happen if the wisdom of the Lord was on the inside of you. I'm just teasing you guys today a little bit, but a little bit. I'm also serious. I was looking over here, and you know, one of the things that I love, I'm going to get to in my message in a second. Josh, you can stop and then come back when I read the verse. Yeah, I know. I decided to chat more. Thank you. I was looking over here while the worship team was up here leading, and our praise team often sits over here. And what I think is so cool is so many Sundays I look over here, and there are other people like speckled through the seats that the praise team sits in. And the reason I love that is because those are people that they are bringing along with them people who are visiting or coming back, or people who are coming for the first time. And I love that we have. Have a team that serves and invites and brings along still because as a church we are people who bring others along with us aren't we amen and so i just love that they don't tap out and love in the dress here like with the you got real cool blonde hair yeah. you're so sweet you accidentally sat here i love it what's your name jennifer because i felt like god wanted me to pray for you today jennifer Can i pray for you can i hold your hand father god i thank you for jennifer God, I thank you that you brought her to this place. And I thank you, God, that even the steps that we think are by accident, are that unordered, are that uncertain, God. I thank you that you have walked in them. And Holy Spirit, I speak over Jennifer's life that you have been walking with her in every step of the way. You have been walking with her, God, in the moments where it felt like she was out on her own and in the moments where it felt like she was lost and in the moments where she felt like, God, she was uncertain. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that I just see Jesus, you walking and standing right there beside her. In the midst of those moments, God, I see her wandering down streets and wondering how did I get here and what am I doing here? But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, Jennifer, I was there with you in the midst of it all along. I was standing with you and beside you and I was guiding you and I was guarding you from things that you never even knew. I was guiding you and guarding you through and I walked you to this place this morning and I sat you in this seat this morning because I knew that you would be in this place and I wanted you to know that you have been seen, daughter, and I wanted you to know that you have been loved, daughter, and I wanted you to know that I have prepared a place for you and a seat for you and a position for you in my kingdom and in my family and in my heart that you have been loved and loved and loved. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, we stand in agreement with it. We celebrate Jennifer's life today. We thank you and we're honored that you would bring her to this place, to this house. Thank you, Jesus, in your mighty name, amen. Amen. So Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, you know what? You should connect with Talia. She's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Hey, and we have one more. We have some friends here in the house today too who are also visiting. I wanted you to say hello, church. Can you help me celebrate and welcome Pastors Chris and Brandy Yarborough? They are part of the Cornerstone Global Network. <laughs> And they're visiting with us today, and we're just so grateful to have you here and for what God's doing in your lives as well. All right. Turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 3. I know, how dare I start a series on the book of Proverbs, and not some of you were already in Proverbs. And you're like, what is she doing? She said we were talking about Proverbs. But I think if we're going to talk about the book of Proverbs... We have to look at how did we even get to these Proverbs. And in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, we hear about how Solomon became a man and a king of incredible wisdom. Solomon is the king who ruled after his father, King David. David you've probably heard of, you know, a sling and a shot and a giant that fell down. And then David, after a long journey after that, became king. And then David had a son, and his son's name was Solomon. And Solomon became king. And shortly after Solomon becomes king, here in 1 Kings chapter 3 is where we're going to pick it up and find out about this encounter that Solomon has with God. So join me in 1 Kings. We're in chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 3. It says, Solomon loved the Lord and walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was the great high place. And Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and asked, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servants. David my father because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day and now O Lord God you have made your servant king in the place of David my father although I am but a little child. And I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. So give your servant, therefore, understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this and God said to him because you have asked this and not asked for yourself for long life or riches or life for your or the life of your enemies but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right behold Now I do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and a discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after. And I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways and keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. God, we thank you for your word and I thank you for your people. We ask for your wisdom to pour out on us. God, let your wisdom be in me and let me communicate it clearly today. And I ask you for it to take root in our lives and produce fruit in our days to come. In the mighty name of Jesus. It's summertime now and the weather is getting warmer. And things are getting nicer and in the Ryburn household that means we are going out to ice cream on a regular basis. Too often, some might say, just often enough, others might say, I think as frequently as we possibly can, we should go out and explore all of the ice cream spots we can and have as much ice cream as basically is possible over the summertime. We have a running list of all of the local ice cream spots, and if you're interested, I can give you my highs and lows and opinions and my preferred reasons that I go there, who accepts cards and who only accepts cash and who has good parking lots and who has great service and where my favorite toppings and flavors and combinations are I am serious about ice cream we even shocked some of our friends a while ago we were talking to them about going out to ice cream and we let them know that we often go out to ice cream with our children before we have dinner and all of us have dinner and they were like you have dessert before you have dinner and I was like I absolutely do I'm a grown-up One of the main benefits of being a grown-up is that I can have dessert and ice cream absolutely anytime I want to. And they're like, and you take your kids? And I was like, yes. Yes. Because if I'm going, they have to come as well. And so we're all now getting ice cream. So if you want to know where you can find the Ryburns, it is most likely at any number of the local ice cream shops over summertime. Now, I don't know if you have ever taken a child to an ice cream shop and asked them the question, what toppings would you like on your ice cream? But it is an open-ended, loaded question because really the toppings and the options are too much for them to handle and too much for, it goes, it will jump from I'll take sprinkles to I'll take gummy bears to I'll take uh, the, the candy that you can get on top to I'll take broken up cookies to I'll take the, can I get all of it? Can I get the, the whipped cream as when well? I'm like, no, everybody gets one topping. You may pick one topping, and normally what topping they land on is just whichever. Well, I don't know if you've ever asked your children to choose from the multitude of toppings. I don't know if you've ever taken a husband to an ice cream <laughs> store and asked him to choose from the multitude of toppings. Because the choices are really abounding. And they all also- I don't, okay, me. I don't know if I've ever taken me to an ice cream store and have asked myself, which one of these toppings would you possibly choose? Because the options seem endless. And here's the thing with choosing is that choosing is also unchoosing. For me to choose that I am going to get cookie dough niblets on top of my ice cream means I am also choosing. To not get sprinkles. And it also means that I am choosing to not get gummy bears because I am choosing, and every time we make a choice, we are deciding on one thing, and we are not deciding on something else. And there is something about the way that we choose something that draws us into. It is something wonderful to have options, but options create pressure in our life in a way that not having options does not. Having options in our life requires us then to choose something, requires us then to decide which one of these things will I go after? Which one of these things am I making the very serious commitment to of what my ice cream will taste like from here through the next 30 minutes? What choice am I making to make it? there is something about all of the options that create a pressure on us to choose one of these Things, but choosing is required in us because there is something about having options that requires us to choose. And God continually walks us to this place where He says to us, I need you to choose. I need of all of the options. Choose which one you're going to go after. Choose which one you're going to be committed to. Choose which one you're going to latch on to. Choose which path is the path for you because there is something about choosing that speaks to us about our position of freedom. Because if I do not have freedom to choose then I don't really have freedom at all. But it's in my freedom to choose that God reveals what's on the inside of my heart and what's on the inside of my heart is always what god is really after he really wants to know what is your love after what is your desire after what are you churning after what are you willing to unchoose so that you can choose something else and we choose to move into a relationship and we choose to be in commitment with one another and when we choose to be in a committed relationship with our spouse we are also unchoosing everyone else we are unchoosing a relationship and a connection and a depth and an intimacy with anyone else who may present themselves along the way from here on after because I have chosen to go after this one and when we Choose to go after a career. We are also Unchoosing other paths for ourselves when we choose to commit ourselves to study. We are also Unchoosing to commit ourselves to all kinds of other activities and all kinds of other leisures when we choose one television show we are choosing to watch that show over other shows every time you make a choice you are choosing to go after one thing in one way and saying with your statement that I choose this thing more than all the others and God presents Solomon with the ultimate choice He says, ask me anything, Solomon. What do you want? What is it that you want? Now, I think it's important for us to look at some of the things about how Solomon got here. There are some elements in the scripture of the place that Solomon finds himself in. The first thing I want us to look at when we think about where Solomon is, is the place that Solomon finds himself. This is interesting. Solomon finds himself at the place called Gibeon. He's at a place called Gibeon. It says it's a high place where they went to sacrifice, a high place where they went to offer up the sacrifices and to worship God. The interesting thing about the high places is that the high places were kind of a secondary, necessary alternative. They are the less desired place because the house of the Lord had not yet been Built. They didn't have the place that they really wanted to go to worship God. They didn't have the place that it would be most desirable. They didn't have the ideal circumstance or the ideal situation. And so Solomon finds himself going up to the high place to offer an offering and to offer a sacrifice to God. And when he's in that less than ideal place, the secondary choice The place where he really wished he could have been somewhere else. It's when he's in that place that it says he slept in front of the altar and and God came and met him there in a dream. What it tells me is that the situation in your life does not have to be ideal for God to meet you there. The situation in your life does not have to be the perfect circumstance that you always desired or imagined for God to meet you there. Too often we think and we don't search for God and we don't wait for God and we don't linger for God because we think God can't meet me here. Can you imagine if Solomon said I'm just going to go offer this little offering and then I'm going to go on because this isn't even the place that I want to be worshiping anyway. This isn't even the way that I want to do this anyway. This isn't even the job that I want to have anyway. There's something better that's down my line, so I'm just going to give this my halfway, and I'm just going to show up a little bit, and I'm not going to give my all because I don't want to waste it in this halfway, less than ideal place. And in the midst of that halfway worship and the halfway work and the halfway effort, we missed the moment where God was getting ready to come and meet him and speak speak to him and ask him one of the most important questions he would ever be asked in his life. I wonder how often you have missed God in your life because you had your eyes on a more ideal situation somewhere down the road, because you were more concerned about the more perfect situation that might hopefully be in your somewhere future. When I get to build the house that I really want to build, when I get to worship the way I really want to worship, when I get to the job that I'm really waiting to get for, when this relationship looks like it really is supposed to look, when my family situation is all the way worked out, when everything that I've hoped and dreamed for is finally looking perfect, then I'll linger, and then I'll worship, and then I'll look for God to speak to me in that place, but it is before everything is ideal, and it is before everything is as he hoped and dreamed that it would be, and it is before everything is established in the way that Solomon would would one day be established that it says that he came and he offered thousands of sacrifices. He offered sacrifice. What if when we came to worship, we didn't wait for our ideal song and our favorite mode and our favorite genre? What if we didn't come in saying, if they hit all their keys just right, and if they play my favorite chord that pleased the Lord, then I'll raise my hands. And then what if we came and we said, I don't care if they're flat today. They're not. They sound fantastic. But I don't care if they're flat today I don't care if they're off today I don't care if they just play songs from the 70s all day long I have decided that I will seek the Lord in every season in every moment that he is speaking to me something and absolutely David or Solomon was in a place that was less than ideal and in the midst of his less than ideal situation God met him and he spoke to him there and Solomon was aware of his Position. He was aware of the position that he found himself in. He does something so interesting. God asks him this question: what is it that I can give you? And and I'm like, get to the get to your answer, Solomon. Solomon takes a line on like Solomon is not like thirsty for this moment. Like he's gonna miss it. He takes this moment and he looks back to look forward. And he says, I, I am so aware that I come in a line of legacy for this moment. I am so aware that there are those who went before me. I am so aware that I am a piece in your grandeur puzzle God and he positions himself in a moment where he says I can see that you are working something grand here God and in the midst of everything that you're working I'm positioning myself at the place and if this is the place that you have called me then in this moment that you have positioned me then I want to do well with where has God positioned you today. Where has he positioned you in your family story? Where has he positioned you in this city? Are you aware of the position that you find yourself in and how it is interconnected with the story that God is writing, That with the story that God is communicating, with your place in the body? He is positioned in this moment and he takes a posture of humility. He is king of all of the land if you read just before it he has just made a marital alliance with one of the greatest kingdoms of the time and which is saying that solomon is admired and solomon is well looked to and his kingdom is doing well and yet he positions himself in a place of humility where he says god you have given me a great people He doesn't say, God, I am so great. God, look at the seat you have set me in. God, look how I linger here in your presence. God, imagine all of the things that we have done. God, imagine all that I will do. God, you have made me your spokesperson. No, he says, God, there is this great people and I am just A humble servant. I don't know what to do with it. He postures himself with humility before God. He does all of this before he finally gets to his petition of God. It strikes me as interesting because I think if God asks me the question, what can I give of you, there's a part of me that wants to get to the answer before I miss this moment. But Solomon seems steady and he seems ready to just work through this moment that he finds himself in until he finally gets to the moment where he says, God, my question of you then, my petition of you then, if you are offering this great thing, is will you make me a person of understanding? will you make me a person who can discern the good from the evil will you give me your wisdom God of all of the things that Solomon Solomon makes a choice in this moment and he says of all of the things God of all of the options of all of the toppings that I see that are available to me as the creator of heaven and earth comes to me and says what is it that I can do for you he says of all of the things that I know that I'm unchoosing. I choose wisdom. God, will you give me wisdom? Will you give me understanding? Will you give me discernment? And he starts to go after wisdom. And it says that it pleased God. Which tells me there are responses that he could have given to God that would have been unpleasing to God. But God and his faithfulness would have fulfilled, I believe, the statement and the promise that he made to Solomon. we said, whatever you ask me, I'll give you that. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And I believe that we need a people of God right now in today who say we are a people, God, who of all of the things that we could choose and of all of the things that we could ask for, God, will you give us wisdom? Will you give us understanding? Will you give us discerning hearts? Will you give us the ability to see what is right and what is wrong? Will you help us decipher through? Does anyone feel like I need the ability, God, to have your wisdom, to know what to do in a situation, to know what to do in any given moment, to know how to see what is really going on here? We need people of God who can stand up, not with just lines to throw around, people of God who can stand up with wisdom to speak out, with understanding to bring into every situation, with discernment to come in and say, I know what to do in this moment. We need to be a people of God who are saying, God, will you give us wisdom of all of the things that we could choose, God, and of all of the things that we could ask for. We ask for your Wisdom. We ask for your wisdom to be on us. And we ask for your wisdom to rest on us. We ask you to fill us with your wisdom on the inside. And what is wisdom anyway? Is it smarts? Is it knowing stuff? Is it earning degrees? Is it being the person everybody always comes to? What is wisdom? wisdom. What is this wisdom that Solomon asked for? When he said, God, give me your wisdom, what is the thing that he even asked for? I can tell you that it is certainly not the data that you research or the decades that you have accumulated. What do I mean by that? I mean, it is not the data that you search. And I specifically would be speaking to those of us who are under 40, because data and information is so readily available to us and so quickly able at the click of a thumb for us to go and to google and to find any piece of information and I think we should be studiers and I think we should be eager to research and to fund but it doesn't take very long of talking to many people to find out that we have figured out how to use big words and to create sentence structures and drop in a couple data points in a couple an article I recently read and it sounds like I might be smart but I think that we have confused information for wisdom the fact that you know how to research something does not mean that you have wisdom. The fact that you watched a six second TikTok video on it does not mean that you have gained wisdom. The fact that you watched your favorite influencer talk about their preferred option on it does not mean that you have wisdom. The fact that you read a textbook that took a particular slant on something does not mean that you have wisdom. Your ability to gain information and to intake information does not mean that you have wisdom and if we are not careful we think that the data that we consume is what makes us wise and we begin to depend on our ability to find information and regurgitate information and instead of having true wisdom we walk around with a false wisdom that stands out and, and repeats every piece of fact and information and tidbit that we have come by and say look at me aren't I so smart you might know some things but that is not wisdom in and of itself your data is not your wisdom any more than your decades are your wisdom wisdom does not accumulate simply because the years keep adding up gray hair does not equate to wisdom in and of itself I have spoken to many people who have lived for many years, and it doesn't take very long in a conversation with them either to find out that they think because they've been around for a long time, it means that they must have wisdom, but wisdom does not mean that you just have been around for a long time or that you have experienced many things. It takes more than decade on decade. I hope that your decades will equate to wisdom, but the way that you walk through your decades is what will determine if your decades turn into wisdom, or if your decades just didn't turn into more years of foolishness, and I pity the fool who lives for decade on decade and never knows how to churn that thing into wisdom. Your data and your decades do not equate to wisdom any more than your influence or your affluence will equate to wisdom. Your influence and your affluence do not mean that you have wisdom. And it is easy for us to contort those two things with wisdom. We think because someone has a leadership position, because somebody has been given a title, because someone has a lot of likes on their YouTube account, or because someone's social media influence has become large enough, then they must have wisdom to offer. And we run to them and we say, well, they've given them the title of so and so so they must have wisdom or we run to them and we say well they've got 30,000 followers so they must have wisdom. they don't have wisdom they're just good at creating an aesthetic that you like to watch that's not wisdom it's good design and good design is to be admired and good design is to be thought of and creativity comes from the heart of God but it does not mean that their design has made them wise it means that their design has intrigued you enough that you keep following light and you keep clicking on it and coming back to their page and you have to be careful whose influence you are confusing with wisdom because before we know it we're taking in information and our data is being filled by those who have gained high influence but they have not gained high levels of wisdom they are just sharing and spewing along with you their foolishness any more than somebody's affluence does Particularly in our culture, particularly in the American society, we equate success, success in business and success financially with wisdom. They must be wise because they now earn whatever seems like a lot of money to you. They must be wise because they've built five different businesses. They must be wise. Look at how many staff they lead and have under them. They must be wise because other people look up to them. They have a high level of affluence for generations. Their family has had generational wealth. They must be wise. No, they may have used sketchy ways of getting their wealth. And Proverbs is gonna tell us that's not wise. That is not what wisdom it is not your data or your decades and it is not your influence or your affluence wisdom is none of the things on the external side when we talk about the wisdom of God we are talking about a wisdom that comes to us from the throne room of heaven when Solomon asked God give me wisdom he wasn't saying God let people admire me God make me a really good reader he was saying God I need something that comes from heaven the word he used he said, God, I need the chokmah, the chokmah of heaven to come into me. It is this ability to determine what is good and what is evil. It is the ability to look at something and rightly decide what is righteous and what is unrighteous, what is good and what is bad. It has a moral component to it that says, I need you to go after this thing that comes from the throne room of heaven. What Solomon said when he asked is, help me to rightly discern between good and evil i think we have this verse it's first kings three nine yes give your servant therefore understanding mind to govern your people that i may discern between good and evil that i may discern between what is good and evil and then he says At the end of 1 Kings 3 and 28, he says, And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. The wisdom of God is less about what you know and more about what you do. It's less about the information that you intake and more about how you live out your days. It's more about how you walk in this life. It's more about how you discern between good and evil. And it contains in it this moral component that the decisions that we make have impact on one another. That the decisions that I make Impact you and the decisions that you make impact me. And wisdom says every time I make a decision, I can't make that decision without guarding and governing and discerning does this decision positively or negatively impact the other people that God has put me in life with. The ability to discern between good and evil is not the ability to discern between who was right and got an A on the test and who was wrong and missed all the answers it's the ability to determine between what is right for the people of God what is good for his people what is good for the people of God and what is wrong for his people what is harmful what does great harm to the people he said my wisdom that gets on the inside of you is this law that I have that runs all through creation it's this law that I have of how my things are supposed to work how things should be happening Here in the world, when you follow my laws, then your life will go well with you. It says that wisdom was there at the beginning of creation. We're going to get to Proverbs now. Look at this verse from Proverbs. Proverbs 8 and 22 says, And the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work in the first of his acts of old. This is wisdom speaking out, saying, I was with God at the beginning of all that he did. I was there, and God's thread of wisdom is working throughout all of creation. His wisdom is this thing that gets on the inside of us, this thing that moves on the inside of us, this thing that directs our paths, and this thing that says, I know how to walk into a moment and into a situation and to determine Not just what's on the surface, but what God is doing in the midst of it. And this is what Solomon asked for. He said, God, give me your chokmah. Give me the ability to determine what is good and what is evil. Give me the ability to rightly discern, to rightly govern, to rightly lead, to not run after and hunger after other things, but help me to choose you, God. Help me to choose your wisdom. Help me to choose your understanding. And it says it pleased God. It pleased God that Solomon didn't choose to ask for wealth. And that he didn't choose to ask for a long life. He didn't choose to ask for an arm over his enemies. He didn't choose to ask for any of the things that we might ask for, that we might consider worthy, that we might consider that we want in our lives. He said, when I have to choose, if I have to choose one thing, God, I choose wisdom. And when he chose wisdom, he chose the golden ticket. Because God says, when you choose wisdom, you choose the thing that unlocks all of the other things. When you chose wisdom, it opened the door to any of the other things that you might have chosen. You could have chose wealth. And I would have given you wealth. But when you chose wealth, you would have only chose wealth and everything else would have been closed off to you. You could have chose long life, and I would have given you long life. But when you chose long life, you would have been unchoosing wealth, and you would have been unchoosing a hand over your enemies, and you would have been unchoosing a good name. But when you choose wisdom, when you choose wisdom, it says all of these things become yours as well. Let's look at it again in 1 Kings 3, I think it starts in verse 12. This is where God responds to him. He says, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. I give you the thing you chose. So that none like you has ever been before you and none like you shall arise after. And I give you also, say "also," also. What you have not asked both riches and honor so that none other king shall compare with you all of your days and if you will walk with me all of my ways keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David then I will give you length in your days as well God says to him I give you the thing that you choose but because of what you chose because you chose wisdom above everything else because you asked for the ability to discern what is my heart and what are my ways and how do I rightly judge and how do I do justice and how do I see the earth working and moving and my people being governed because you chose to ask for wisdom then I also give you the things that you didn't even ask for. The things that I know that you want, but you said, I'll set those aside if it means that I can have wisdom. The things that I know that your heart desires, but you said, I'll make those secondary if it means that I can have wisdom. If it means that I can know your heart, God. If it means that I can judge in your ways, God. If it means that I can discern the things that you have called me to and speak to your people, God, then I'll lay all of those other things secondary. And God says, because you made them secondary and you chose wisdom all. All of those things become yours as well. All of those things come into your life as well. And God says, I give you wisdom and also. And also. And so by the time Solomon goes to write the book of Proverbs, he has gathered his decades and turned them into wisdom. And when he gathers his decades and turns them into wisdom, his son is coming of age, getting ready to be an adult in his own accord. And Solomon sits down to write out the wisdom that God has given him. And when he sits down to write the wisdom that God has given him, to pass them on to his son. In Proverbs 4 and 7, he says this. He says, in the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Get wisdom. Earlier this week we were prepping for some of the things this weekend. And Andres and I got tickled because we were reading over this scripture and looking at some of our different things that we're preparing for the month. And we were like, it's so basic. Solomon says, this is the beginning of wisdom. Get it. Go get that. My advice to you, my son, get wisdom. Get wisdom, but it's because Solomon had learned long enough and lived long enough and seen God's faithfulness and working of his wisdom in his life long enough that he said, if I can tell you anything, the thing that I want to tell you is that I want to tell you to go after wisdom because everything else will fall from that and everything else will flow from that. He has the heart of a father speaking to his son saying, I want you to have a good life and I want you to have riches more than I had and I want you name to be great even more than mine was great, and I want your relationships to flourish and to prosper, and I want you to find a good wife to do your life with, and I want you to feel success, and I want you to live the good life and the happy life, and I want all of those things for you, and if I could tell you about all of those things, I would say to you, if that is what you want, then you have to get wisdom with all of who you are. Get Wisdom, And it is the same heart of Father God when he says, my heart for you in this life is that you would have a good life. My heart for you for your days is that you would enjoy your days. My heart for you is that while you are journeying here inside of time and of space, that it would go well with you, that you would seek his face, and that you would feel the goodness of what it means to walk in the pleasure of God, that your body would prosper, and that your relationships would prosper, that you would be in health, and that your business would flourish, that your finances would increase, that you would have good friends to laugh And that you would enjoy the fruit of your hand, that you would know what it is to work hard and to enjoy the feeling of your success. He says, I want all of these things for you. And if I want all of these things for you, my route to all of these things is wisdom. Get my wisdom, get my understanding, get my information about how it is that the world works. Get my heart on the inside of you. His desire for you is to enjoy these days, to enjoy creation and to live in health and to live in connection with one another. God does not desire for you to live in brokenness and he doesn't desire for you to live in strife and he doesn't desire for you to live broke All of your days, he desires for his people to see his face and to live the good life of his kingdom. And he says, you want to know what my good life is? Study my wisdom. Get discernment. Get understanding. Get Get my insights on how this thing works. Know how to rightly decide between what is good and what is evil. Get wisdom get wisdom this is our core scripture for the next several weeks proverbs 4 and 7 the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom and though it cost you everything get insight get Insight. Come on, if you want your relationships to prosper, if you want your body to be in health, if you want your business to flourish, if you want to see your finances increase, if you want your children to grow up and to walk in the things of God, will you stand to your feet because and just say, I am deciding to go after wisdom. I'm making a decision that whatever it costs me, I'm gonna get wisdom this year. Whatever it costs me, by the time I leave this month, I am gonna have gotten wisdom. Though it costs me everything, I'm gonna get wisdom. That we have put our hearts on this one focus. We have put our intention on this one focus. We said, God, we want your wisdom. If I could ask of anything, it's that we would be a place of wisdom a place of understanding a place of insight i know i was joking about it earlier about you know our team having conversations if we had wisdom but the truth is that i want you to live in the goodness of god's ways And so much of the frustration and the turmoil and the lack that we experience in our lives, we experience because we're simply not walking in the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God, he says, my wisdom will lead you into places of flourishing. My wisdom will lead you into places of abundance. My wisdom will increase the time that it takes for you. It will speed up your journey. My wisdom is, uh, God, I pray your wisdom all throughout this house. God, on every person that calls this their church home, God, I speak your wisdom over our body right now thank you that you are giving us discerning minds. I thank you that you are giving us hearts to rightly decide. I thank you that you are helping us to judge between good and evil, God. I thank you that you are teaching us to do your justice, God. We ask for your wisdom. Put your wisdom on the inside of us and give us a hunger for your wisdom. Can you just say that? Say, give me wisdom, God. If you ask him anything every morning, say, God, give me wisdom for today. God, give me wisdom for today. God, give me wisdom for today. We thank you for it, God. And we bless your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.